0: Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 6 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast as we discuss a predictable, terrible loss to Sunderland as well as previewing the two upcoming games against mid and Shrewsbury Town. How glamorous. Yes, this is the Manchester United Weekly Podcast and you can find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. I'm Harry Robinson and as always, I'm joined by Jack Tate, who's just got back from referee in a game in the bitter cold. So needs to get you a cup of tea, Jack, but first, how are you? Disappointed.
1: It um, wasn't a nice surprise to finish my game and see, see the score and then see how terribly we played. Can't say I'm very shocked though.
0: Yeah, that's, that's probably the worst bit about 2-1 loss to Sunderland, which they were fortunate in both their goals, but not many people could claim that they did not deserve to win that game. Um, I was coaching my under-six side this morning. I had to rush back to see the game. I mean, it's, it's times like these when I realise we don't complain about the weather enough, but it was a bit of a pathetic fallacy in Sunderland. Uh, hail came down before the game, and we are properly outplayed by a team who are 18th now, I think, but battling relegation. Is this really acceptable?
1: No, it, it, it's never acceptable and, and unfortunately it's not, like like we said, it's not the first time it's happened this season. There has been so many games where we just seem to have no ideas at all. You know, as we're, as we're recording this, Chelsea are 3-0 up against Newcastle inside 20 minutes. Another team fighting relegation who we have not beaten this season.
0: Yeah, and it's... it's becoming quite a common theme now. We lost to Bournemouth, lost to Norwich, now lost to Sunderland, drawn to Newcastle. And then we've scraped past Aston Villa early in the season. And it's, against big teams, we're doing OK, little draws to City, wins over Liverpool. I mean, a terrible loss to Arsenal, but generally against big teams, as has been the, the common theme under Van Gaal since he took over, we're we're doing okay, but to relegation-facing teams, we're doing terribly. Is it something about pressure or just not concentrating enough? I don't think it's a case
1: of not concentrating enough. I think it's just that we're we're so easy to play against. I think I think is the, the the be-all and end-all of it. All teams have to do when they play us is hold a deep line and just make sure that we play in front of them. And we do that. we we're, we're so easy to play against, and especially when teams play against us, who perhaps i don 't want to sound kind of like I'm putting these things down, but perhaps aren't necessarily looking to win the game. They hope they'd, like they'd be happy with the draw. so when they do that, if they just if they just sit deep and look to hit us on the break, we are so so easy to play against and I think the reason why our record is slightly better or quite a lot better against bigger and sort of mid mid table teams is because when they play us, they have their own ambitions in the game as well, and they look to impose their style on us, which then gives us more space to be able to play a little bit faster. Think, I think back to the Stoke game, and although Stoke aren't necessarily you know, a big team, they tried to play their own football as well. They tried to, to enforce their style on us, and all it did was allow us more space. But when we play against smaller teams, think about the two Swansea games, another relegation battling team that have done the double over us this season. All they do is sit deep and hit us on the break, and we're just so easy to play against.
0: Yeah, it's becoming incredibly predictable now and it's not a new thing that teams come to Old Trafford or even when we play away from home, sit back and look to frustrate us because there's no other way we can win. But it used to be that they did that because that was their only option because we were so good and that usually we'd exploit that because we could exploit anything under Ferguson who we're really realising how like big of a genius he is. And, and Sunderland had more shots against us today. And it's quite shocking that we're becoming so predictable and teams are willing to sit back, but still they beat us in the thing that we're trying to do.
1: Yeah, and even though we controlled the game, like, as, you, as you said in the instruction, there was no way that you can say that Sunderland didn't deserve to win that game. They created so many more chances than we did, looked so much more threatening than we did. And although perhaps their two goals were, did have a little bit of luck in them, they had so many other chances where they could easily have scored from those. The, one in the third, not even 10 minutes gone. and they'd, They were already 1-0 up and Jermaine Defoe had that chance from six yards out when he completely um, scuffed the ball, scuffed his shot. and We could have been 2-0 down inside 10 minutes against the team sitting in 19th place in the table. It's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Wabi Kaziri uh, got the opener. It, it, it was very lucky and I saw some United fans claiming it was a well-worked free kick, but it's not. Jermaine Defoe misses... Uh, misses the ball as he's trying to flick it on, in what would have been a well-worked free kick. And um, for some reason, and this is this is quite incredible, given the the sort of incredible detail which Louis Van Gaal seems to go into that. And it may have been down to the fact that Defoe wasn't meant to be playing, and this might have been a last-minute measure. But Anthony Martial, a young, not totally inexperienced, but not very experienced, and especially not in defending in the Premier League, a young striker, he's marking Sunderland's most dangerous player. And that seems an incredible sort of mistake by United. I don't know who it is. It may be Van Gaal. It it may be someone else who focuses on set pieces. But that seems a, a ridiculous thing to do.
1: Yeah, and it was the theme of the day. We... The, probably the, the one of the only positives this season has been our defending, and for whatever reason, it was an absolute shambles at the back today. There was so many times when we were just carved open from what were genuinely really, really simple pieces of play. All right, I know they were they, it's, this is the Premier League and play at a fast pace and all that, but at the same time, Sunderland aren't. They don't have world class players. They aren't a team that should be carving us open every time they go forward, and it happened. Countless, countless times today. And it, it it was just, like I said, it was an utter shambles at the back at times. Yeah, it's... and it, it seems
0: now, I, I'm going to be careful here because everyone's more excited with the mildly attacking football we're seeing now. And that, that game we mentioned earlier against Newcastle was probably the, the best, not the best in terms of results, but one of the most exciting United games we've seen this season alongside the uh, the, the two, three goal wins against Derby County and Stoke City recently. But... It seems that in going mildly attacking, and it's not like we're blowing teams away. It's not like we're we're scoring four and they're scoring three. It's not the old Fergie days where we score more than them. It's we score probably one or two, three if we're very lucky, that against Derby and Stoke. And teams score more than us. Or teams score the same amount as us. And Sunderland, Lamina Kone been given as a David De Gea own goal as he landed on Kone's header and like sort of squeezed it into his own net, but Sunderland got that two one victory and it's not like we're we're outscoring teams. It we've we've gone slightly attacking and all defensive stability has been lost. They're massive frailties. And it makes me wonder whether that brilliant defensive record was actually down to the entire team defending and the entire team not letting the other team create chances because we had so much possession.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I go back to um, an episode, I think it was I mean three episodes ago now where after the Southampton game it was, where I said I was ready to come on that episode and sort of defend the style to some extent. And, it would, and I ended up not doing it because we had yet another result like this where we were so disappointed. But it was, it was exactly that argument that I was going to make. It was that, actually, I think, although our defence on paper, as you say in terms of our defensive record, looks great, it's really far from it. And without playing that style where we are so void of creativity and we are so careful to remain so rigid and retain our structure. Without that style, we've conceded so many more goals. We've seen it in the last month or so. And as you say, that's without even becoming a team that plays massively, massively attacking football. It's just a slight change and it's caused havoc.
0: Even Chris Smalling now, where his midfielders are protecting him less, after having a, a god a godly like status and this this English centre back who has risen up from from a red card in the Manchester Derby and become a great player, without the protection of Schneidlin or Fulaney or Carrick who, who are attacking more and having more freedom, although Van Hal says he hasn't given them more freedom, without that protection he's not been as great. And I was doing um player ratings earlier and I, I gave Smolden a five. There were just too many errors. What meanwhile non-centre-back who's been converted into a centre-back by Van Hal, Daly Blind, is playing much better and he's got that ball-playing nature to his game that he he also adds.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Daly Blind, for me, has been one of the unsung heroes of our season. He has been one of the few who has stood out. And as you said, Smallin has really been affected by the very subtle change. and And whether it's something within him or whether it's something in that he can't deal with, with that change. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it definitely has had an effect on his performances. From what I can tell, it seems that when Smalling has a bad game, it affects the rest of the team because he's he's become quite a talismanic figure for us this season. And and whenever he doesn't play well, it seems to affect the entire back four, whether that's because he's become more of a leader and he's the organiser now, or whether it's just simply a case of other people, especially young players like Cameron Borthwick-Jackson, look up to him, I don't know. But... Whatever, whatever it is, then, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not been a good change, put it that way.
0: In terms of our back four, it was quite makeshift by the end of the game with Donald Love making his debut at 21 years of age. Fantastic for him. James Weir, also on the bench. Will Keane made his uh, second, second appearance for United after four years after his debut. It was makeshift both with Jackson and Donald Love as Manchester United fullbacks. And it's great that the academy players are getting a chance, but it's quite astounding looking at our team sometimes. With, with, like, Jesse Lingard, Wolfwick Jackson, Donald Love. I mean, it's incredible that so many academy players have to be used. And you have to feel for Van Gaal, because obviously he has many, many, many errors um, about him, and has shown that over the last six months, even though I've defended him quite often. But in terms of injuries, Matteo Darmian just getting back into form after returning from a previous injury, and he joins Marcus Rojo, Antonio Valencia, Luke Shaw, Ashley Young, all four backs and he makes it five fullbacks out again so in terms of right backs as we go into the Europa League FA Cup if we proceed in them we're gonna have a lot more games coming up and we have five fullbacks who all could be out for another month or two to three months
1: it was his decisions as well that have affected it because he knows that quite a lot of our players are injury prone especially at the back the same thing happened last season and yet he's chosen not to increase the size of our squad. I, I know I've tweeted about it quite a lot before, that although everyone praised Van Gaal for getting rid of the so-called deadwood in our squad, and although he did do that, he then never replaced it. So our squad numbers went down, and that meant that as soon as we got, say, one or two injuries in a position, we were, we were relying on players to step up from the under-21s to, at the very least, fill in on the bench, like today, or in the case of someone like Cameron Borthwick-Jackson or Guillermo Varela, actually step up to the first team. And especially when you have players like Darmian, like Rojo, like Shaw, who we know to be very injury prone, Phil Jones as well. And then they're all defenders. We know that it's going to happen. And so I feel sorry for him to some degree, but at the same time, I think, you know, he, he could have addressed it in the summer. It's not like we weren't willing to spend money. And he could have addressed that in the summer by bringing in a few more replacements.
0: Moving into the attack, Juan Mata has proved me wrong and you've proved me wrong. You said that Mata should be shifted from the right into the centre. Um, I disagreed, but he, he's been very good in, in, in the centre, involved in seven of our last eight goals, which is brilliant. I mean, I don't think he's actually got assists or, or scored himself from them, but he, he's been directly involved uh, quite obviously. I think he's often got the assist of the assist. He's been really good. Anthony Marshall, very good again. L- looking on Twitter during the game, has it all has become a very common phrase now, and his finish was so composed and so good. And he received the ball and just dinks Manone. What, what a finish. And, and what I lo- liked most about this was that he shot and his shot was deflected to Matter, And instead of just waiting for the ball to come back, he continued running forward, anticipated that Matter's shot might be parried. And he, he was rewarded for it. Any other players who stood out for you?
1: Not particularly. Cameron with jackson as, as a, whole, a whole player, he didn't really stand out to me. Um, but his crosses stood out, um, as they have done in the last few games. When he receives the ball, he has quite an old-school old way about him in that he just wants one touch out of his feet and then to whip across him. It's not something you see that often um, nowadays. Teams prefer to try and, try and build up um, with sort of more passing rather than just whipping the ball straight in the box but it's been quite refreshing to see and quite a lot of them unfortunately have gone not unnoticed but like the, the um, hasn't been the right runs in the box or they haven't been haven't been strikers on the receiving end. That was probably one of the only positives in, in attack. I, I don't really think there were any others to be fair.
0: Yeah not a great performance so not many people standing out. Um, David De Gea made a few excellent saves but also scored an own goal which is disappointing. Not not massively his fault i don't think you can really blame him hugely for that he, f- he fell on the ball perhaps he could have done better but even, even for the first goal he may have done better but he, he he was blocked massively by a huge group of players in the box wayne rooney wasn't brilliant memphis came on didn't make much of an impact donald love was okay um made, made a few errors but i thought coming on in the first half and having to to get into that mindset straight away when Matteo Darmian goes off injured. And we think with a dislocated shoulder, probably out for, for one to two months. And I, I thought he adjusted immediately. And while well, I think he made probably three mistakes in the game, Borthwick Jackson adjusted better. But I, I, I was impressed with Love and how, how his attitude was, was so perfect so quickly. In terms of moving on, Rooney and De Gea said that we need to bounce back from this on Thursday against Midgieland, FC Midgieland of Denmark. Um, who are currently third in the Super Liga. Jess Thorup is their manager. Let's just keep giving you a, a few stats on them because even I don't know anything about them. Their last match today, a 4-2 friendly win against AC Horsens. Um, they've just returned from a Dubai training camp, have had four friendlies, their last competitive match was against Club Bruges, who uh, Memphis did so well against, and Wayne Rooney. And that was back in December. So while, while we've been playing a lot of games, picking up injuries, as I mentioned earlier, Darmian, etc., they've just returned from a Dubai training camp. And so they're, they're probably very fresh. In, in terms of their friendlies, they've won one, drawn two, and lost one on penalties. Um, they've got a lot of good young players. I think I saw in the UEFA Youth League, which is the mini-Champions League for the under-19 teams, um, I think they beat Atletico Madrid. Um, the other day uh, even in their first team squad they've got a few good young players they've got an 18 year old called Juland who's scored four in 11 games from midfield and a forward called Sisto he's 21 years old do you think we'll win this away from home at the MCH arena in front of about 12,000 people do you, do you think we'll win this or could we carry in this uh, poor form against Sunderland
1: it's hard to say I mean I, I want to say yes but I'm the part of me just thinks that it could end up being almost the same as it as it has been against sort of lesser Premier League sides. I think we we'll, I think we will win the tie over the two legs. Whether we'll win the first leg is another matter. But yeah, I think I think we will win the, we will win the tie. And I'll be quite interested to see what team we we put out because I would like to see us take the Europa League quite seriously. I think it's probably going to be maybe our second best shot at a trophy this year behind the FA Cup. Although the FA Cup is a bit more of a lottery because it's only over one game. Yeah, I I would like to see us take it quite seriously. I know Midtjylland might not be the best team around, but there will be tougher tests in the Europa League afterwards. There are still some some very good quality teams left in the competition. Whether you include us in that is another thing. But um, yeah, I, I would like to see us take it quite seriously. I think we will win the tie. And hopefully it will just give us some confidence.
0: I'd like to see us take it seriously as well. And especially given that we are now six and we could possibly be seven by the time you're listening to this points off the top four all Of the top four play each other after we record this, especially given that the winners of the Europa League get a place in the Champions League. And there are very good teams in the Europa League, it, m- it might not be as prestigious as the Champions League, it might be the Mickey Mouse version of it, like the League Cup is to the FA Cup, but it does give you a place in the Champions League if you win it. There are teams like Tottenham who are very good, as we've seen, um, Fiorentina, also very good there. Tottenham and Fiorentina probably the favourites for it at the moment. I don't know if you'd include us in that.
1: Borussia Dortmund in there as well.
0: Yeah. And
1: Porto as well.
0: Yeah, so some tough ties could come up for us as we win this. But given that we don't look like getting Champions League in the league, uh, even if we're trying to be optimistic about that, I think winning the Europa League could be our best shot at getting a place in the Champions League. And that that's vital because, honestly, we, we don't want to be in the Europa League for another season. I mean, it could be great but it's not the Champions League. You don't get the Champions League theme music, and I missed that already. Yeah, hopefully we win. Hopefully we take it seriously. Um, he, he's added a few youth players to our squad. Donald Love, who played today, has been given number 37. Joel Castro-Pereira, the under-21s goalkeeper, who went on loan to Rotherham earlier this season, has been given number 40. And Regan Poole, who made his under-21 debut earlier this week against Manchester City, has been given number 41. He'd been waiting international clearance for, about, I think it was over five Five months which is I don't know how that happened but he's been given number 41 he could be involved in the team in terms of the squad people like Andreas Pereira uh, young players like Borthwick Jackson and that have not been included because you UA for European League rules say that you can have a, a B squad list which involves young players who have trained at United for three years or more which is why Paul is in there because he has not trained with us uh, for six months yet um, in terms of the side, given we have Shrewsbury and not uh, a massive game, and given we're playing on Monday in the FA Cup, uh, you, would you play all of our key players? Is, is Martial going to get a chance to rest? Is Rooney or not?
1: It wouldn't surprise me if they do. I wouldn't be too upset if, if one or two did. I guess kind of similar to um, to what we wanted for the first FA Cup game of the, of, the se- of the season, in that maybe we wanted one or two players to be rested who have played a lot of football, like you said, Rooney, Martial, come to mind straight away. Maybe Chris Smalling as well, but if we if we rest too many players, we just run the risk of of getting knocked out of the Europa League. And I hate, I actually, I honestly hate this excuse of that it gets thrown around about the Europa League and that playing on a Thursday is such a big burden because playing Thursday to Sunday, which is what you will always play on if you're in the Europa League, you'll never play on the Saturday. Is no different to playing Wednesday and then Saturday if you're in the Champions League, or even in our case playing Thursday and then Monday. is was even better, which again is, is no different to playing. Wednesday and then Sunday in the Champions League or Tuesday and Saturday in the Champions League. So I I don't really understand the, the, the excuse behind it. I don't think it is it's it's good enough.
0: Yeah, um I think Van Hall will will probably put a strong team out given that we have quite a few days rest before Shrewsbury and Shrewsbury Iron League one as we'll discuss in a second. And he will I think he'll want to wrap this up quite quickly. And it, of course it's gonna be difficult. mid are uh, obviously aren't the standard of the United, although that's questionable, um, but they remain a a decent team. They uh, they must have finished second in the Super League last year, if they in the Europa League. I assume they they're a decent team, so it's not going to be easy. But I think Van Gaal will try to wrap it up, or or give us a very good chance from the first leg, given that in the second leg at Old Trafford we then have Arsenal at the weekend. In terms of injuries, we're not having a, a great time. Bastian Schweinsteiger given a holiday, given his injuries. Anyone you'd like to see given a chance now?
1: <laughs> I think we might have to give people a chance just out of necessity. Again, I, it'd be interesting to see who starts at right back, whether it's Donald Love again, maybe, or whether Van Holt comes up with something different. It's, it's, it's a tough one because as much as you want to see young players played, obviously, like we just said, we want to see a stronger team, possibly maybe one of the, the young strikers possibly James Weir, to come in and play up front. I don't know. Maybe if we decide to give Rooney or Martial a rest. But we'll we'll have to see. I can't see too many others potentially being given a start. Maybe Andreas Pereira, actually, thinking about it. He's someone who's been on the fringes of the first team all season. There's been a lot of calls from fans to start him in more games and give him more chances. So it wouldn't surprise me to see he, him start.
0: Yeah, I think I'd like to see Pereira give it. In fact, Pereira should definitely be given a start because he's got unlucky this season with the fact that he's been on the bench constantly. He's, he's not even getting enough under 21 game time. He's played in a few games, but not regularly, which means he should have either gone out alone or been a proper part. I think he's got four appearances for United this season. It's February and that's not good enough for one of our youngest talents. Uh, one of our best young talents and hopefully it's not another case where we're not playing our our, one of our best talents enough and and they leave to bigger and better things will keen should also get a chance he scored five against norwich in a seven nil win for the under 21s as we'll talk about later so he should probably get a chance and van hall sort of alluded to the fact that he may be given a a first team role soon and he came on against sunderland for for 6 or 7 minutes Uh, so hopefully he gets Europa League chance as well in the news this week from United despite on-field issues we're set to become the first British club to ever take in 500 million pounds in revenue in a year you'd think that would fund the signings of the world's best players but instead Inter Milan's U2 Nagatoma revealed he turned down United in the summer which I have to say I'm quite glad about actually in terms of outgoings at United the Daily Mail reported earlier this week that Juan Mata and Marouane Fellaini will be shipped on should Jose Mourinho take over in the summer You'd have to feel for Matt if that does happen for a second time uh, after Mourinho sold him to United at Chelsea. The current squad at United, according to Neil Ashton of the Mail again, are said to be concerned over the controversy surrounding Mourinho and nervous of possibly seeing him take over at United. In terms of other managerial candidates, should Van Gaal actually leave? Brian Robinson says Ryan Geeks can be United's Pep Guardiola instead of bringing Mourinho. Um, Jackie, are you a Giggs manager man or Giggs player man?
1: For a long time... I was totally against the idea of Ryan Giggs taking over. Not because I don't think he would do a good job. I just it, it, I think it would be an emotional decision in that we think, oh, he's a Manchester United man through and through. So he'll just automatically be a great manager. And like I said, I think it would almost end from like how well Guardiola did at Barcelona. But what I am now beginning to to think is that I think this season is almost now a write-off for United. But at the same time, I've always been against appointing a new, a brand new manager now sort of on, on a long-term-ish contract. And so what I think wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad idea would be if the club do want to sack Van Hal this season, before like this, the summer, then I think it would be quite a good idea to give Giggs interim charge, as we did when Moyes got sacked, but rather than just it being three or four games, give him a longer run a few months up to the summer to just see how he does. And then, and then that will kind of dictate the decision that gets made in the summer. Because I think me and you are both, I think you described it as Van Gaal sympathisers. I think that kind of it sums it up quite well in that perhaps, perhaps not Van Hal's sympathizers. in that we love Van Hal and we never want to see him sacked. It was more like we didn't think that the change would necessarily be beneficial. I think that now the season is almost gone, apart from maybe the Europa League. I think it's now maybe time to experiment with Gigs and see what he can do and then use his record from like now to the end of the season to dictate decisions made in the summer.
0: Yeah, as you say, I think Gigs could possibly be an emotional decision and partly it may instill a massive boost of confidence for the club but given that as we've discussed in two previous episodes given the the poor structure the poor infrastructure even at the club and the the poor ownership that we have in Edward Wood and the Glazers i think giving gigs a job at this time when the the infrastructure at united is at the worst it's been in 30 years probably while well, Manchester City are investing massively, Chelsea are investing massively. I think it could be very dangerous to give Giggs a job now and risk ruining his reputation.
1: Going back to Giggs' first in charge, I think everyone thinks that he did really well because of the, the initial 4-0 thumping of Norwich at home where played a lot of young players and it looked brilliant, it looked like Giggs was the future and United's future was in safe hands. But then we also forget that during that time, we beat Hull 3-1 at home. But then we also lost to Sunderland at home and drew with Southampton. So it's not like he set the world on fire when he did take over. And although he has had the benefit now of almost two seasons of being understudied to Lou Van Haal, I can't imagine that what Ryan Giggs would try and create at United would be too similar to what Van Haal is trying to create.
0: Yeah, very true. And obviously the styles differ massively and Giggs might bring back attacking football, but it doesn't necessarily mean that successful. Anyway, our actual manager, Louis van Gaal, says he would be told by Ed Woodward if talks were going on with Mourinho and he'd be disappointed if Woodward hadn't told him about it and if the the club are actually talking to Mourinho. Actually, it was a very good interview with Independence Mark Ogden, it? it may give you a different view of a man that many people hate due to his failings so far. Um, I'll, I'll post that on the Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod POD uh, with the link. Rio Ferdinand says United could replicate the demise of Liverpool if things do not change soon, which is a nice reminder that Wes Morgan, if things continue like they are with the City could have more premier league medals than steven gerrard come the end of the season uh, just revel in that for a minute edward edward has promised announcement of changes at the academy in the coming days and there has already been some news as i'll mention in my youth update um, we discussed the terrible state of the academy in series one episode three with guest tracy germains to give that a lesson with the academy discussion beginning at around 16 minutes in at that episode after the mid Island game a few days rest And then uh, a very glamorous away trip to Shrewsbury Town, who we've never played before, but in a friendly in 2000, small stadium like Midgale. Shrewsbury are 19th in League One, but all teams below have at least one game in hand, so they could drop into the relegation zone if once those teams make up those games. Uh, They beat Blackpool 3-2 at the weekend, uh, as we lost to Sunderland. Um, They've got a very inconsistent record over the past few matches. They before before that Blackpool game, they drew nil-all to Fleetwood. Uh, lost 2-1 to Southend before that and then before that was their uh, uh, FA Cup tie dramatic, very, very dramatic against Sheffield Wednesday an 87th minute equaliser to make it 2 all, and then a 97th minute winner uh, So some of you will have seen the pictures uh, the scenes in the crowd that day were incredible so rather inconsistent but they, they have the ability to score goals especially against Sheffield Wednesday defence isn't great it seems conceding two to on many occasions um, will we win this one? I, I say attentively.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, again, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to predict any United results right now. As I've said, said to you, I said to you earlier that these are the kind of ties that I hate. They're brilliant for a neutral. And everyone goes on about, oh, it's the magic of the FA Cup. But I hate them as a Man as a United fan because we have everything to lose and nothing to gain. And for Shrewsbury, it's the complete opposite. They have absolutely nothing to lose. But if they win, it will forever be, you know, a great night in their history. And they make me nervous, these games, because I just think it's all too easy to, to think, oh, we're, we're going to Shrewsbury Town. Was it 18th in 19th in League One? They'll just, they just roll over for us and it never works that way. And as we said, we are just so easy to play against now. And literally all they have to do is just sit deep. And, and then wait to play us on the counter-attack. Okay, we might have got past Derby and actually played some good football in the process, but Derby tried to play a lot more than I assumed Shrewsbury were. And that's no disrespect to Shrewsbury, but I assume they were looked to just sit back, try and soak up the pressure, and then try and hit us on the counter-attack. We will see what ends up happening, but I can't see I can't see it being easy, put it that way.
0: In terms of one player, um, Maron Fellaini was dropped for Schneidlin, uh, apparently because he'd, according to Van Aal, because he played so many games that there was a risk of injury and he was sort of partly injured at the moment against shrewsbury obviously lower league and there's this stereotype that they'll hoof the ball up and try to head it down and it is not true but there there is there's no smoke without fire as they say and lower league teams will probably against united who are technically better uh, have a higher quality squad uh, they're probably going to try and use long balls. Would you start Fellaini in midfield over Schneiderlin or Carrick to combat that? Yeah, I think
1: I would actually as long as he's back. These are the kind of games where actually Fellaini can do a job for us. I don't think there'll be a need to really play two holding midfield players sort of in the mode like playing Schneiderlin and Carrick together again. So yeah, I actually would play Fellaini. He does, as much as we all hate him and sometimes, he does actually have a role in our team and can do a job, and I think he would be a good person to start against Shrewsbury.
0: And hopefully, there we play another strong team as well. And we we both said that we want a strong team against Middlesbrough and another cup competition with with the FA Cup. And I, given we haven't won it for twelve seasons now, which is ridiculous, it it would be very nice to stop Arsenal getting a, a triple of FA Cups. And hopefully, we can progress. I think I think we will win this one because Shrewsbury will have to go for it at some point. Whereas in the league against Sunderland, they could sit back for for large periods of the game because honestly if they drew they they could have gone home happy um and and eventually they won and they're even happier but if they drew they could have said that's a, that's a good result against united who were in form at the time um where shrewsbury if it's nil all at 85 minutes they might want to go for a replay at old trafford but really they'll they'll their players will probably be thinking imagine a a, a late a late winner here man like name on the on the back pages so that they're, they're probably going to go for it at some point and hopefully we can exploit that with with a strong team as always we like to keep you updated with our youth teams and it's been a busy and quite successful week for them since we last spoke to you we mentioned in the last episode briefly a 7-0 victory for the under 21 side against norwich city saw them with confidence although quite a different starting lineup going into the mini manchester derby as bt sport dubbed it joe rothwell returned to action and scored after great hold-up play from Will Keane, who was involved against Sunderland at the weekend. That was the only goal of the game. Um, a, a good win against a very, very strong Manchester City, supposedly called the Elite Development Squad. Uh, this still remains funny after about a year. Regan Paul made his full debut for the under-21s, as I mentioned earlier, having had to wait more than five months for international clearance. Timothy fosin mental was very impressive alongside another very young member of the side, Rochon Williams. Both are... Extremely young, but seem to have made the step up from under-16 to under-18 to under-21 seamlessly. And Fosu Mensah looks a, a very, very good... Uh, prospect for the future, even if our academy isn't doing too well overall. In the biggest news of the week for the youth side, Paul McGuinness has resigned from his role as under-18 manager. As I mentioned, Ed Woodward announced that there would be changes to the academy set-up in the following days, and this was the first. Um, he was set to be sat next week, but such is his respect for the club. He left without a fuss to save the club embarrassment, which is really a, a, a great sort of thing from McGuinness. He was at United for 28 years and had been under-18's manager since 2005, seeing 86 players rise through his side and into the first team with 23 playing in international sides including Paul Pogba Danny Welbeck I mean proper high quality players have come through that United Academy and McGuinness has been a huge part of it and the the big United Youth Twitter accounts were saying that how even if his players didn't succeed he'd still uh, keep up to date with them and and try to to help them al- along their way this is supposedly the start of edward Wood's revamp of the academy but if the club think McGuinness is the issue having wanted to sack him before he resigned they've wasted their year of reviewing the setup honestly that the, the problems are much bigger than that as you can hear in series one episode three at 16 minutes 45 if you want to listen to that the first under 18 game without his guidance for uh, about 11 years was on Saturday against Stoke City and goals from Callum Gribbin and Marcus Rashford saw a stop at a 12-game losing streak and win 2-0. Meanwhile, the under-16 side also won 2-0 at Stoke with both goals from AD Barlow. There's another busy week coming up. The under-21s host Reading on Monday before travelling the short distance to Manchester City's brand new academy stadium for another derby within the space of two weeks. Playing on Saturday at 1 o'clock, that'll be on MUTV. Meanwhile, the under-18s also play City a few days earlier at 1 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. So... A busy week for the under-21s, a busy week for the first team with games against Mid-Island and Shrewsbury. We'll be back after that Shrewsbury game. But before we leave you let's take a look at some of the questions that we've been sent on. Colin at RojoNaldo says, if Rooney breaks the record this season, uh, I think he's referring to Sir Bobby Charlton's record of 249 United goals. I think Rooney six off now with a few games against, small games against Shrewsbury Mid-Island coming up. It could be possible they will break that soon. Colin asks, would you keep or sell him in the summer and do you think he'd except being second choice Jack keep him
1: yeah I, I would keep him and I don't I don't think getting the record is a decisive factor in that I think I would keep him anyway I do still think he has something to offer our team in terms of, of him being second choice I think it totally depends on whether it's Van Harward, or a, a new manager wants to play Anthony Martial I think if they want Martial to be playing as a central striker Rooney will have to either settle for being our a, a second choice striker or dropping deeper. As he did under David Moyes and quite a lot in uh, of last season, yeah. I, I but I, I still would keep him yourself.
0: Yeah, I'd definitely keep him. He's he's not everyone's cup of tea. A very divisive figure, but he. I I don't remember United side without Rooney, in, and he's one of my favourite players ever. Um, even if there's there's a lot of things that to not like about Rooney, uh, there's also a lot to like about him. His incredible work rate, always given everything, and that's a cliche when it comes to footballers, but he he genuinely is always. The, the hardest working player on the pitch and as he's shown with he, he scored seven goals in his first seven games in 2016 earlier and he's shown that he still has that quality I, I think the, the first of those seven goals against Swansea City that beautiful flick which really got his confidence levels going again and I, I think he would probably not want to be second choice but I don't think he'd go to another Premier League club and obviously there's been massive links with Manchester City back in 2010 and massive links with Chelsea in 2013 but I genuinely don't think he'll go to another club now that he's got older. He's a captain of the club and he's close to breaking that record. If he doesn't break the record, I think he'll definitely stay. Uh, I don't think he'd choose to leave even if he was second choice because I think he'd really like to hold both England and United's record. And I don't think he wants a move to China or the MLS yet. I think he thinks that... um, is a lot more to give than go and get a last pay deal in China or the MLS. He mentioned before the the game against Sunderland that he could possibly move into midfield or even defensive midfield as he gets older, and that he's ready to accept that. Would you want him playing for United there?
1: I certainly wouldn't mind it. I think he definitely can play that. I think we saw that quite a few times in the last couple of years where he has been asked to play deeper, and he really can play that role relatively well. When it when he was in a, really in his peak years, sort of four or five years ago. And he used to make those amazing runs from a little bit deeper. And I guess it comes from the style that we play when we played a lot quicker on the counter-attack, so it allowed him to do that. But I just think maybe coming from slightly deeper would allow him to do that again because I think he does have amazing, amazing vision that um, he can't use it as much when he's got his back to goal playing as a, as a central striker. So yeah, I think it, it could possibly be a good a good thing that might prolong his career somewhat.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think he'd I think he'd need to be tested quite a lot in that midfield role. If Van Gaal is still here, that versatility could be a key factor in Van Gaal wanting to keep him. As you say, some of the classic Rooney goals have been coming in late, arriving on the edge of the box and thumping them home. You think back, even even recently against uh, against Newcastle in that three 0 draw that a screamer that curled away from the keeper and that that, that was brilliant and you think the classic goals I think, yeah must have been 2004 against Newcastle when he, he gets the ball on the edge of the box after arguing the ref he picks up the ball and just volleys it incredibly or half volleys it incredibly yeah. and against Fenerbahce in his debut that hat trick in the Champions League and some of the classic goals from Rooney have been arriving late on the box so a goal scoring midfielder pulls goals everyone's always compared him possibly compared him to to paul skulls in that midfield role that wraps up everything for this week's episode thanks for your questions from colin and thank you for the continued support after we noticed we were in the top 150 sport podcast in the uk on itunes at one point this week even above the liverpool official podcast and the chelsea official podcast which was quite funny you can find the podcast on twitter at utd weekly pod and um, where can we find you jack
1: at utd
0: Fantastic, and you can find me on Twitter at Her Robinson sixty four. Busy week coming up for all you sides, all first team squads. After disappointing loss to Sunderland, hopefully we can, hopefully we can better things in Europa League against FC Midjylland, and another glamorous try, FA Cup tie away at Shrewsbury Town, who are nineteenth in League One. Hopefully we can get two wins there. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. She's
1: so easy, easy.